0: You're listening to sermons from Redeemer Church in Round Rock, Texas. Redeemer is a gospel-centered, missional family learning and living the way of Jesus in the suburbs of Austin. Last week, Pastor Jordan kicked off a new series for us entitled Good News. And we talked about how in the midst of our, the brokenness in us, in our world, even in the church, the, the gospel is really good news for us. And it's needed uh, for us to dig back into the gospel. This good news message that God has entered into our world as the Father sends the Son, Jesus, to be born of a virgin. That this Jesus walked among us, that he lived a life completely yielding to the Father's will, completely empowered by the Holy Spirit. He worked miracles among us, revealing the kingdom of God to us that he was ushering in. This Jesus died by way of crucifixion, and yet he was raised on the third day. And this resurrected Jesus appeared to many witnesses over the period of 40 days, founding his church, teaching on the kingdom of heaven, And when Jesus ascends into heaven, symbolizing that the crucified Messiah has become king of all, when he ascends into heaven, he does not take vengeance on his enemies, but he holds out and pours out an offer of forgiveness and grace. And last week, we, were, we landed with kind of this call to consider this message and, and to consider in our own hearts, how are we going to respond to this message of King Jesus? Are we going to turn to him and repent and be baptized and believe? Are we going to reject and continue to live as our own ruler? And this morning, we're going to dig a bit deeper into this gospel message. And specifically, I want us to consider this morning how the gospel message is good news for you. For you personally, in this time and in this place. You see, the gospel is certainly a historical message about what Jesus did in real time and space. And its implications are as wide as the creation. But it's also a message that is deeply personal. And so here's what I want to do this morning. I want to hold up the gospel, what I will call gospel benefits for us in such a way that you see personally how the gospel hits you today. Psalm 103 speaks, uses this word benefits. I want us to read Psalm 103 verses 1 through 8. It says this, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all his benefits. and steadfast love. Now, ultimately, these benefits that the psalmist is having us recount of God come to us in the gospel of Jesus. This is how God fulfills his promise to give us those things. And so this morning, I want to highlight four primary gospel benefits that we receive when we surrender and turn to King Jesus in faith. And so here they are, four gospel benefits. Number one is complete Forgiveness. If you want to take notes, you can do that. I, you know, forget that sometimes. Complete forgiveness. Number two, welcomed as family. Number three, freedom from the tyranny of sin. And number four, wholly restored from the ruin of death. Let me pray, and then we're going to jump into these gospel benefits. Father, we. Thank you that we can come to worship you today. God, that you who are king of all would have mercy and grace upon us who rebelled against your rule, and yet you've called us in to be your family. You've poured out not wrath for our treason, but you've given us pardon for our sins, and you've welcomed us into your place. We pray this morning as we are looking at these benefits that your spirit would nudge and and turn our hearts to see the beauty and the depth of all that we have received in the gospel. And I pray, Lord, that that for for each person here, you would even just kind of highlight and show them maybe it's just one new aspect of what you've done for them that they need to hold on to this morning. So encourage us, lead us to repentance where we need to be repentant, and encourage us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, gospel benefit number one that we're going to talk about is fully forgiven. Fully forgiven. Theologically, when we talk about this, we might talk about concepts of justification or atonement. We're not going to launch into the theological depth of it today, but we're going to talk about the heart of it, which is full forgiveness. Now, occasionally I will... I joke with my wife, Um, I didn't get permission, again, this is a trend, Jordan, last week you didn't get permission, now I'm not getting permission, but um, I joke with my wife occasionally, Uh, I'll go up to her and I'll just kind of say, hey, I forgive you, and, uh, and if, if you're married, maybe you've done this before, but, but typically when I, when I do this, it's about something that really wasn't a sin, wasn't even a big deal, but maybe just something that kind of nitpicked at me. For example, uh, occasionally I will do this, I'll say, hey, I forgive you for unplugging my phone uh, and plugging yours in, <laughs> right? And, of course, she does not see this as a grievous sin, uh, which it's not a grievous sin. But, but, and so whenever I tell her I forgive her, uh, at best case, it's kind of a funny joke. And at worst case, it's just annoying, right? It's just kind of <laughs> offensive. Like, I didn't do anything. Get off your, you know, who are you? What, whatever, right? Forgiveness offered to someone who does not see or perceive a need for forgiveness is not good news. In fact, it's often, it's insulting. And sometimes it doesn't make sense. In Romans chapter 1, verses 18-23, through 23, Paul says this. He says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. You see, the Apostle Paul recounts that the human condition is one of sin. That sin is not just doing bad stuff, right? It's not just smoking, drinking, and cussing. That was my old list. Sin is a state of the human heart that is in rebellion towards God and his gracious rule. Sin leads us to ignore or reject God in the world he created. Some of, some of our kiddos have been going through the New City Catechism in their classes, and, and so this part of this might be familiar, but the New City Catechism defines sin like this. It says, sin is rejecting or ignoring God in the world he created. Rebelling against him by living without reference to him, not being or doing what he requires in his law, resulting in our death and the disintegration of all creation. And here's the thing. The scriptures go on to tell us elsewhere that all of us are born with this disease. We're all born with a heart that's in this sinful condition. Sinful, selfish seeking life apart from God, doing good things for godless reasons and bad things for godless reasons, elevated, elevating created things over the creator. And here's where I want to land with this. Here's why I gave you that little story at the beginning. Until we can honestly see the depth of our own sin, until we can see our part in this mess, forgiveness won't be Good news. We'll just give it lip service. Maybe we'll sing about it, but we'll not really have any uh, real affections or appreciation for it. Or perhaps some of us would even be offended by the thought of it because we don't really think that we're all that sinful. We don't really think that that condition has got a hold of us. The problem is those people out there, those, those Democrats or those Republicans or those this or that, it's, it's not in here. And if you're coming in this morning defensive and proud and feeling really no need for forgiveness, this might not resonate as good news for you. You see, until the Holy Spirit holds up the mirror to our own hearts and shows us, reveals to us both our beauty made in God's image, but also our brokenness and our deep flawedness, our deep waywardness, our deep pattern to reject God and walk in our own way, until we see that with brutal honesty, forgiveness is offensive. And there are some here, yet who have come face to face with the depths of their own sin. There are some who, you're, you're right now even coming in here with, with, the, with, the penalty, with the consequences of your own selfishness, with the shame of your own addictions, and you, you know it, you sense this darkness in your heart, the things that you've done or, or you said that you wish you could have back, the years that you've spent enjoying God's creation with no regard for God, You see, there's a certain work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts that brings us to a place, the the old traditional church called uh, contrition. When we realize that sin isn't just out there, it isn't just those people, but sin's in here. And hey, it's even darker in here than it is out there. That it's deep in my bones and in my heart. You see, the Spirit then brings about a godly sorrow, a deep grief for our part in this all. A brutally honest confession that we are continually wayward, that we are weak, that we've been wounded, and left to our own, we'd make a wreck of our life. Now, at the same time, In this place, it does not result in us being shamed or beat down. At the same time, when the Spirit is doing this work, it does not result in us feeling condemned. Rather, it's in this very space of brokenness and grief over the state of who we are and who we have failed to be that God meets us with a sort of kindness that leads us to repentance. And as the Spirit brings us in our brokenness before King Jesus, who could rightfully cast us out, who could rightfully pour out his his wrath for our treason upon us. Jesus holds out complete forgiveness for our sins against him. The treason we committed against a righteous and holy king is completely pardoned at his own expense the old hymn captures it beautifully when it says guilty vile and helpless we spotless lamb of god was he full atonement can it be hallelujah what a savior later in romans paul would go on to write this in chapter 5 verse 15 through 21 he says but the free gift is not like the trespass For if many died through one man's trespass, talking about how we were all sinful in Adam, we were all born into that disease and that pattern, much more, how much more, have the grace of God and the free gift by grace of one man, Jesus Christ, abound for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin, for the judgment following the one trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. That means we're put in right relationship and standing with God. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Now the law came to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace might also reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. What does God do with guilty sinners at the end of their road, unable to make up and atone for all that they've done against him? He gives them complete forgiveness. Full atonement, as the the hymn says. Completely righteous, completely justified, meaning he pulls you and he gives you a new status with him, completely based on what he has done in Jesus. Past sins, present sins, future sins, forgiven. His sacrificial death has paid our debt in full and put us in right standing with God. Where where Paul can continue in Romans 8 to say, there is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Let me ask you, friends, have you blown it this week? Are you carrying guilt from secret sin and it's weighing heavy like a backpack on your shoulders? Are you feeling that nagging sense of regret, this morning may the Holy Spirit give us a holy contrition that leads us to repentance so that we might receive the gift that Jesus has purchased, full forgiveness, achieved and purchased by Christ, applied to you like a healing balm this morning. God doesn't want you to create a religious ladder that you can climb your way back up to him. He wants you to feel a deep sorrow. And in that moment, let the spirit lead you to his kindness. I want you to say this with me. We're going to have, at the end of each one of these, we're going to say something together. So you've got to kind of wake up a little bit. Because of Jesus, my sin is fully forgiven. Say that with me. Because of Jesus, my sin is fully forgiven. Amen. Gospel benefit number two. Welcomed family. Welcomed his family. Now, theologically, we might talk about concepts of adoption or union with Christ. We're not going to get in there, but I want to give you those if you want to look a little bit deeper into this. Um, now, if I had realized, if I just realized that I would committed treason against the king, and yet his, at his own expense, he fully pardoned me, and forgave me, that alone is, is pretty good news, right? I don't know, we we don't have kings anymore, but you can imagine you can put yourself, that would be pretty good news to know that you're not going to the guillotine. In fact, you've been you've been pardoned and forgiven. But before we can even begin to in the magnitude of this gift of forgiveness of sins, more gospel benefits arrive. It's as if the messenger comes and there's another package. And and here's what the message reads uh, from the messenger. All right, Also, friend, King Jesus wants me to warmly welcome you into his family as his beloved son or daughter. What? What well, we've gone from, I'm an enemy of God, rebelling against God. I'm forgiven and pardoned. Okay, that was good. But now the King wants you to be his sons and daughters, his family. He wants you to be citizens of His kingdom. He wants you to belong and come close. Jesus talks of this in John, uh, the Gospel of John 1.12. It says, did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. John goes on in his gospel in John 14. Jesus says the, this. He says, uh, Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. The triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is at the core a lover. Is at the core a relator, not a realtor. It kept changing that in you know, auto-correcting that. No offense, <laughs> realtors. Not a realtor, but a relator. That's what happens when we pastors make up words. See, forgiveness is not for the sake of leaving us alone, just kind of making us okay and, and keeping a distance. Forgiveness is poured out to bring us near, to bring us close. There's perhaps no greater image that captures the radical nature of God's love than he would not only forgive those who rejected his rule and rebelled against him, but he would bring them in as his sons and daughters. Friends, God created you for relationship. And at the core of that longing to belong, that core of, of, of answering that question of who am I and whose am I, Am I someone? Should I be here? Am I wanted? The gospel is saying yes. The gospel is extending a welcome that you're not only tolerated by God, but you're wanted by him. I know there's some of you that because of your past, maybe the way you were raised or other church experiences or, or leaders in your life, you, you kind of carry with you this sense of I'm not wanted. I don't belong. Maybe some of you are new and you're intimidated by, you know, church, don't be intimidated by the way we're all a bunch of goofballs. Um, but we can often project and walk with this sense of, I, I don't belong, I don't fit, and, and where's where, where, my identity? And here's what the gospel brings us. God says, you belong with me. I want you in my family. I don't want to just forgive you. I want you to know me and I want to know you. King Jesus pardons us and then he welcomes us in. He gives you and me the identity we were created for. The identity to be beloved sons and daughters of God, alive now in union with your creator. And this is given to us as he pours out his Holy Spirit, what Jesus talked about in John 14, to live in our hearts so that God's not just the man upstairs, but he lives inside of us. Christ in us, the hope of glory. The gospel is not just about forgiveness. It is, but it's also about intimacy. It's about a welcome into God's family. We'll talk next week about the horizontal aspect of that. But but just today, just sitting in that fact, God not only loves you, but he wants you and he welcomes you. He wants to commune with you. He wants to know you. He cares for you. And only his love will silence that shame and that constant nagging. Only the love of the Father poured out into your heart will give you that kind of security. I want us to say this together. You don't like, I know some of you don't like this. We're going to say it together. In Jesus, I am fully welcomed into God's family. Let's say that together. In Jesus, I am fully welcomed into God's family. Amen. Gospel benefit number three. Freedom from the tyranny of sin. Theologically, we might talk about sanctification. I'm just giving you little theology nerds some notes. You can, you know, go look it up about the concept of sanctification here Um, did you know that we are always serving something or someone before we encountered the liberating rule of King Jesus all of us were in bondage to something our own lusts our pursuits of the ego control success, religious approval possessions Right? And in this pursuit of these things, in our servitude of them, we developed habits and patterns of relating and being in the world. And apart from Jesus, this is just what life feels like normally. Right? This is like the flesh. This is what just the default mode of our hearts, what it feels like. There's no struggling against our passions. Um, in fact, culturally right now, one of the most maybe <laughs> hateful things you could tell another person is maybe don't follow your heart, right? not to offend not you. The Bible's actually going to say your heart might be a little deceived. Might be. But what if your heart is leading you towards rebellion against God and His gracious rule? What if there are dark spiritual powers that prey upon the waywardness of your heart? What if... What you feel like is going to give you life and joy and peace is actually a really ugly, demonic thing that longs to bring you into death. We pick a lot. We pick on uh, smartphones a lot. I know we've done that in past sermons, but I'm going to pick on them again. Um, a few months ago, I was watching a documentary, which really messed me up, but I still have my smartphones, so I don't know. Um, watching this documentary, and one of the things on the documentary that really haunted me, that really scared me, was that they, they talked about how the kind of supercomputers and the algorithms of these phones can actually tap into the weakness of, of our subconscious. Like, they can do things to us that we don't even know is going on. Like, right? Like, you imagine this. When you first got your phone, you might have chosen to, you know, get it, and you're picking it up, but after a while, you're picking that thing up, and, and, and you, you don't even know why. You know, like you're, you're setting an alarm, and then somehow you're looking at your best friend's vacation photos, you know, from, 19, you know, from 2018, right? No one else? Okay, weird. Um, there, there, there are things going on in, in, in this that, that what we think is maybe we're kind of using this as a tool. We become the tool. We become the one who's serving the phone. Um, in the same way, because of our wayward, weak, and vulnerable hearts, there is spiritual evil luring us into bondage. And we're being fed little lies and little schemes that on our own, we have no chance. We just kind of believe it and go with the flow. And when we come into God's family, um, we still have these habits, these old patterns of the old regime of sin and death. Because once apart from Christ, we had no awareness, no protection, no resistance against the powers of evil at work in the world, in us and around us. And for some of us, Even though we've come into God's family, there are still strongholds in our life where old patterns have never really encountered the light of the gospel. And so these things are hidden or they are just things we just lose hope for. Spiritually, we've been rescued, we've been forgiven, but there's residual indwelling sin. Here's an image that I'll give you of this. While the chains have been broken for the believer and the prison door has been unlocked, we have this really bad habit of walking back in, sitting back down, chaining ourselves back up, even though we're free. Walking back into the same prisons that God freed us from. And I want to remind you this morning that God, your gracious Father, wants you to be free. Not free by an outward harsh command of, get it together, man. Or do better, but free at the very source of your problem, the heart. And He's given His Holy Spirit to live within us so that the Spirit might protect us, might warn us, might empower us to live in freedom. I think there are some here this morning who have never encountered Jesus and you're living in a cloud of darkness. You're starting to feel that something is off, but you just feel stuck in these patterns. Maybe You've encountered morality, and you've tried to do better, and you just can't do better. You can't try to kind of shake the old patterns. You keep going for the same old lies. Maybe others of you are believers and you've just been in a season of isolation or, or you've been pulling back from the church and community and, and you've, you've noticed yourself going back into these old jail cells. And you're just in this, stuck in this pattern of shame and guilt and struggle. And I, for both of these parties, want to proclaim to you that there is freedom from the bond of bondage of sin in the name of Jesus. Jesus has the spiritual authority as king to set you free. He's opened up heaven and he's poured out the spirit to free captives, to free us from those old ways of being and relating in the world. It's not always instant, but it's always hopeful. It's always working. It's always redeeming. And there is no habit, pattern, addiction, fog, or darkness that the Spirit of God cannot free you from. Listen, family, God's grace isn't just freeing us from the penalty of sin so that we can feel better when we sin. We don't have to feel guilty. His grace is pulling us closer into his love so that we might be free Sin is actually death, and God wants you to live. He wants you to experience a flourishing life. But when we believe lies of darkness, when we believe schemes and powers of the enemy, we buy into death, and it destroys us, and it dehumanizes us, and it leaves us in shackles and in chains and in darkness. And although we've been moved from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, many of us trickle our way back into darkness. Now, thank God he has given us his spirit who calls us home time and time again. But the means at which God does that sometimes is through his word and, and even through something like this morning saying, hey, you don't need to go back to those old cells. In fact, what you're dealing with, bring it into the light. Whether you're an, you've never believed or whether you've, you're a believer for 10 years, when we confess and come to God, we receive forgiveness, we receive a welcome, and we receive freedom. Spiritual power from spiritual bondage. When we see the gospel and the spirit shows us how beautiful it is, it begins to defang all the other idols that we once thought were so... Uh, we couldn't imagine our life without him. Now we can't imagine our life without him. There is help and freedom in Jesus. Galatians chapter 5 Paul says a couple of things I want to remind you of. He says, For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand therefore and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. He goes on in verses 13 and 15. For you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself, but if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. God wants to free you so that you can be the person he's made you to be. So that you can use your gifts and talents and abilities to encourage and build up his church, your family, your marriage, your relationships. Say this together. In Jesus, I am set free from the chains of sin. In Jesus, I am set free from the chains of sin. All right, number four, last but not least, we are, gospel benefit number four, wholly restored from the ruin of sin. Theologically, we might call this glorification or resurrection. And this last benefit is important for a couple of reasons. First, it helps frame all that we've talked about before, remembering that while Jesus has defeated sin, death, and Satan in the gospel, and he has already poured out the first fruits, the Holy Spirit, into our hearts, that part of what we receive in the gospel is not yet in full. Sometimes we talk about this as the already and not yet. There are benefits that Christ has already poured out, that he's earned, that he's applied to us, but there's also an element of, but it's not all yet. There's a fullness of what we've been promised in the gospel that is future-oriented. And this is important for us to keep in mind, especially as we talk about these first three, because sometimes we can have what we call an over-realized uh, eschatology or view of what God has done, and we can think, well, I need to be better, and this, it should be more like this And that. We still live in the age of sin and death. We still live in these bodies infected by indwelling sin. And yet there is a promise that one day Christ will make it all new. You see, I think if we, if we don't keep this perspective, we can tend to grow cynical of these other gospel benefits. We can even begin to question, where is God in all this? I thought things would be better now. I thought my life was going to turn, you know, I thought I would just be happy, clappy all the time. It's important for us as believers that we don't, uh, we don't minimize the pain of this present age that we don't minimize the difficulty of living in a a planet ravaged by sin. It's important that we don't just spiritualize God to the realm of immaterial and neglect the real physical issues in our world that God created and he cares about. Right now around the world, there are many people sick. Many people, loved ones, even I know within this church, ailing with COVID, with cancer, other diseases. There's violence, there's trafficking, there's stealing, there's families as we speak breaking up, bodies breaking down, countries falling apart, weather going wacky. And each of you come in here with your own pains in all of this. Maybe it's sickness, maybe it's the aging process going to work on your body, you know. Every time I play basketball and wake up the next day, I realize my my days are coming to an end, being able to do this. I don't know if you qualify me doing it anymore anyways, but it's nearing an end. Maybe it's the ever-present stress and anxiety that just won't lift. Maybe it's the fear, hurt, and pain of fractured relationships. Maybe it's loss of a loved one. And Whatever you're bringing in here this morning, it's important for you to know that God cares not only about your soul, but about your body. Not only about the heavenly places, but the new creation, the earth that he made. He cares about his creation. This is not how he intended things to be. But because of sin, this is the age we live in. And I want to just read Romans 8 in light of this, 18 through 39. And I want you to, again, we're doing some exercises today to keep you awake and keep you listening. I want you to just close your eyes and hear these words and let them resonate and hit you right where you are. Listen to what Paul says in Romans 8. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. That the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I want to close with this encouragement to you. There are many opportunities for you to be fearful. There are many things you're experiencing that can make you sad, that can, that can make your life hard. Many of you are suffering. Many of you are going through difficulty, whether it's your body or emotional, whatever it is. God cares about that, and one day he will make it all right. He's not just having you float off into the heavenlies and have to sing in choir robes for all eternity, but one day your body that was sown in dishonor will be raised in honor. He'll give you a new body to live in a new creation with him to enjoy him in his glory forever. And this is our hope. This is the new day that has dawned, but it will come in fullness, and it helps us in the present to be patient, to endure to keep believing and trusting in all that we've received from King Jesus. Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we are so grateful that you've given us your words that carry with it a power to set us free. I thank you that when we... Meditate and think upon you that you release us from sin. You nourish us for what you've called us to. You remind us of our forgiveness and our our welcome into your family. You bring us back into the reality of your kingdom. So this morning I pray that one or two or three of these benefits would just sink deeply into our hearts. That they would encourage us. That we would see the King Jesus He's not like other kings. He doesn't extort us. He doesn't oppress us. He doesn't take from us. He gives his life and he gives his own self to us. And may we receive him again this morning. It is in his mighty name that we pray. Thanks for listening. If you are looking for info, find our website at RedeemerRR.org or download the Redeemer Round Rock app from the Android or iOS app store.